What if you could simply trust all information on the internet? My name is Sebastian and I'm on the mission to build a trusted web for all of us on planet Earth. An internet where my parents, possibly my future kids and my own generation can find truth and feel safe. Because to save the world, we need to fix the internet. And in the Trusted Web podcast, I embark on a journey with you, my listener and thought leaders, to explore what needs to get done. Today, I'm joined by Matt Kaminsky. He's Politico's editor-in-chief, overseeing all editorial operations of the publication. Starting as a freelancer from Eastern Europe, Matt has reported on international affairs, politics, and business for over 25 years. He covered the former Soviet Union for the Financial Times and Economist in 94 to 97. And in 97, Matt joined the Wall Street Journal in Brussels as a correspondent. He joined Politico in the late 2014 to become the founding editor of the European edition, which launched in April 2015. He moved to Washington in the fall of 2018 to help lead the publication's global expansion efforts and took on his current role in April 2019. Matt, welcome. Good to be here. Such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. Super excited about this one. To start things off, how would you describe the state of media and journalism in politics today? Well, those, um, I think, uh, media and politics are both so interconnected and, 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 and also different industries. Um, and maybe we can first look at them um, as industries, and then maybe I can talk a little bit about how they are connected since that's in the name of my publication, Politico, which is um, uh, whose mission is to cover the world of power and, and to uh, bring it to life. Um, I think um, media is... We are in a, I think we're in an era of sort of uh, post-disruption as well as mid-disruption in, in the media, but disruption that is probably destroying less than it is creating. I mean, what's really exciting about the media space right now is how many just new things are happening, you know, new ideas of uh, whether it's how you deliver uh, content, um, new ideas about what kind of models are, um, going to uh, sustain journalism, uh, both in the short and the, and the long term. You know, for a long time, we thought it was just subscribers. And then, then I, you know, we suddenly realizing that advertising is coming back to support digital publications. You know, print is still around, um, you know, so uh, we, we publish a print newspaper to this very day uh, uh, that uh, is read avidly on Capitol Hill. And yet we do so many things. And I think when I look at my own publication, uh, just the range of things that we do. And I think this is true for, you know, so many media companies right now that you cannot say, well, this is a TV network or this is a newspaper. There's, I think, you know, we sort of try and kind of span that, that whole horizon of, of, of various activities, you know, and ultimately the, the goal is to reach, um, uh, the audience that you've defined that is important for you and with content that they cannot, uh, that they come to rely on you and really kind of trust in the, in the brand and the people who are associated with it. So I think broadly speaking, the media scene is as healthy and robust in America as I've seen it for the last 10 years. And we're glad to be part of it, but we're certainly not alone. Um, politics is a different matter you know in this country um although there are many parallels with with europe we've gone from 
one of the loudest presidencies we probably ever had in our in our history to a very different um, and it's usually there's a kind of cliche in America that you know you you kind of get the opposite of the previous president and and um, in some ways Joe Biden kind of fits that to a T you know he's kind of boring right it's it's sort of if if you're someone who um, revels in the media circus around politics the circus is left town right? it's really it's a much more uh, kind of wonky conversation around uh, what initiatives Biden is pushing. And, and it just, I think a lot of journalists in some ways are having uh, Trump withdrawal syndrome in, in Washington because it's not as obviously exciting. And yet at the same time, you know, the politics in this country coming back to substance, it's too early to say, but there is, um, you know, Joe Biden is really actually trying to remake America. And uh, for certain people, that's going to be uh, something that they're going to embrace and be very happy about. And for a lot of people, it's something they're going to reject and already are if, if you're in the, in, the, in the opposition. So I think this is a fairly quiet moment in the media political sense, but it is potentially a very consequential moment in the purely political sense. And I'm sure at some point the media will catch up with that and the public debate around what's going on will catch up with that. And currently the trust in the internet is at, um, it seems at an all time low. Is there anything specifically you do at uh, Politico uh, in the way you uh, create or distribute content to build a trust brand in this uh, crazy time? You know, trust in the internet, trust in politicians, trust in institutions generally. And I think we try and not take it too personally, but then trust in journalists is at all time lows and probably aware of some of the reasons for this. Um, in America, we say it all started with Watergate when when suddenly the country saw that oh, you can't actually trust your politicians. At that point, you still trust journalists. And then journalists sort of, I think, came along with the wave that uh, these institutions that humans have created are in fact flawed. And um, and and this has been a kind of this has obviously been a been a trend for 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 decades. And again, I, I don't try and take it personally, um, but it is true that it is probably more important than ever for um, journalism outfits, and we consider ourselves to be in the business of journalism, of um, reporting on the world as as it is, uh, trying to um, you know inform the audiences that we care about, which is in our case, people who are in power or who are trying to gain power, trying to influence power. Um, and obviously a lot of people beyond that fairly narrow circle of readers come to us to really hopefully get an authoritative, interesting, insightful, deep understanding of, of how politics is, is working. So primarily you try and do it by doing your job right. You know, this is where, it can be very disorienting and um, um, it's not even frightening to see the world around us and, and how, how, how quickly it is changing. So you come back a little bit to the first principles of, of journalism. And for us, that is, let's do this right. Let's get the story right. Um, let's not pass the story through some uh, preconceived, um, you know, or some set ideological prism. Um, but I think there's probably even more of a... Um, it's more of an. It's even more important than before for media companies and journalistic outfits to be uh, transparent with with readers about how do we know what we know, 
because there's so much distrust, you can say, I mean, I think we've experimented, so have others in, um, you know, sharing a little bit more about how the sausage was made, you know, here, this is the story, but here's a link to the, um, you know, primary source material. Um, we're not putting journalist notes online yet, but that if, if there are documents that we have consulted, especially if they're things that only we have, we do want to put that in people's hands. And ultimately trust is about a two-way relationship with your audience. And, you know, the oldest saying is it's very, it's very hard to earn it and it's very easy to lose it. Um, and and you, you only earn it by, you know, doing doing journalism right, and um, and uh, and if you don't do it right, then you're pretty open about why you didn't do it right. And it's really about building that relationship, you know. And uh, I think the last thing, the last point that's worth noting here is that as much as this digital age has uh, well changed things for everyone, and certainly changed the way that journalists and publications, particularly print publications, do their work. I think what it has enabled is a much more direct contact with your audience. And obviously you, you, you can reach a lot more people than you ever could, um, but you can also kind of talk directly to audience and have a kind of a sort of two-way dialogue about the stories you're doing, how you're doing it. And I think we're sort of much more open to that than, than I probably had been in, in previous times. With such a specific audience, the policymakers and uh, people in the political space, is distrust even a problem uh, for you and your readers? Or is it specifically in your relationship with the readers, your brand has that much trust that it's not an issue? You no, know, I, I think it's something that we have to earn and we think about a lot how, how, how to earn. You know, we, and we have for since the very beginning talked about, you know, our readers being influencers, people who... Um, whether it's in Brussels or London or 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 DC, it's uh, people who are sort of you know walk those corridors of of power. But actually, I think what that does is it doesn't it it, it really creates a higher bar for um, uh, for doing strong journalism. That you really for these people who know this world really well, they can tell if you're uh, cutting corners. They can certainly tell if you're not getting something right, and they can obviously tell if, if you're coming at this with a, with a certain sort of ideological slant. So I think we have an, a greater obligation than I would say more general interest uh, media outfits in um, kind of meeting that standard that we set for ourselves that um, we don't uh, skew uh, because uh, the reporter or the editor or the publication itself has some um, you know has has sort of skin in the game politically, or or, or 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 thinks that you know thinks in terms of preferred outcome as opposed to we are telling the reader um, we are giving the reader the best reporting that we can about what is really going on and why. And I think that's actually a great. It's very liberating. It sort of helps discipline journalists, but it's also very liberating for 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 journalists if the mandate for you is get it right. You know, talk to everyone that you can. Source as deeply as possible. Sit down to write the story or produce the, the, the podcast or, or create the video or the various things that we do. Tell us, you know, sort of what has come out of this that tells that, that, that will for that audience be, ah, that's exactly right. And I didn't quite know that. And there are things that I've learned from, from you, even though I, I, that reader, um, know this world intimately. In 
commerce and retail, there's a whole supply chain from manufacturer to uh, the shop and all steps in between. The idea you mentioned with uh, sharing the journalist's notes is super powerful. It's in a way the supply chain of information. Is that something you can imagine to be uh, a best practice or maybe even mandatory for information that impacts uh, political decisions, for example? Well, we're not sharing the notes yet. And I think um, as I, I don't know any journalist who has any sort of uh, handwriting good enough that it would be decipherable. But, you know, we are, um, uh, you know, again, going back decades uh, when, you know, at some of the finest publications here who had fact checkers, you know, going back to the 20s and 30s, you know, when, when you submitted a, a story, then you also sub submitted all your notes and the fact checker went through everything, made calls to make sure that every single word in that piece was correct. So there was always, that was kind of, built into the process on on the back end at least the publications that have the luxury of it um i do think you know we're going to be increasingly experimenting with kind of really opening up people to the journalistic process um you know we we had a um uh, we did an experiment with a podcast that was called footnote that was really um when we published a long investigative piece or some sort of deeper uh we we interviewed the reporters, we actually talked through what was in their notes, some of the things that, that surprised them, some of the things that even maybe didn't, was sort of left on the cutting room room floor. Um, you know, certainly when we do, um, I don't know, again, uh, this probably applies to more, you know, uh, enterprise projects, which is the way, uh, shorthand for investigations. Uh, if relevant, you know, we definitely want to share the documents. I'm, I'm thinking of other places like the, the New York Times, they did the Trump tax documents. They um, uh, they shared a lot of that just as sort of raw, raw material. And because we live in a digital age, it's a lot easier to do that than, you know, printing it in the, in the newspaper. And I think, you know, whatever, I think this era is forcing us to be much more flexible in how we think of what a story is. And because we live in a digital age, it's so much easier to to share a lot more with readers than you would in a in a newspaper. So the story may be some kind of narrative, fine, but it could be something else. But then it could also involve all these other elements. And there, you know, we do so much more now with visuals and interactives than we ever did. Obviously, we do, you know, a lot of our big stories is usually an audio component. So you can kind of hear the voices, hear the sort of journalist narrate it in a different way. Um, but I, I think giving readers that insight, and this should always be part of journalism. People should really know how you got to how you got the information that, that that you got. You know, who were your sources? What were the documents? If there are documents, can we see the documents? Um, and 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 then I think sort of it's a natural next step to to provide a little kind of greater insight into into the the process because what it does it can, you know, you are sharing information that could be useful to someone. But more, but as importantly, it also builds trust with readers that they can judge for themselves. These guys did, did this right, or they cut corners, or I, I don't believe that that they actually talked to everyone that they should have talked to. You know, uh, I think ultimately, you know, it, it's it's for the reader to 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 be the judge of whether this work feels credible or not. One of the things we work on at. Uh... Trusted Web Foundation is making sure that there's an open source way to show that you didn't tamper with information. 
one of the things we work for is time stamping, but making a holistic ecosystem. So together with, we want a European Commission prize. What the core concept was, information that matters must be timestamped. Search engines and social media can then reward transparency and accountability. So the more accountability has been taken or the more transparency there is, the further information can reach. So there's always freedom of speech, but not necessarily freedom of reach if there's no transparency or no accountability. Yeah, there's probably something you, you could even think about doing with blockchain to kind of to 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 sort of uh, to sort of to sort of prove that you did this when you did it. And and I again, this is sort of I'm a little bit out over my skis there, but I just think transparency is a, a good thing. You know, there are moments we have to protect your sources, and but if it's I mean, if you're, but if people sense that you're hiding something because you're either didn't do your work the way you're supposed to, or because you're um, you're not uh, being entirely honest about what you're trying to do with this piece, you know, are you trying to sort of uh, show, wow, this is a real scandal, or are you trying to sort of make an ideological point by uh, uh, distorting the the reporting that you come across? And I think that's the line where I. I think, you know, if, you if you're talking about rebuilding trust, then unfortunately, I do think both in Europe and America, the media is headed in the, operation, the, the opposite direction, which is it's too political. Everyone is putting on the jersey of their side. You know, here it's red, red, blue for, you know, Democrat and, and Republican in Europe. It's, you know, Euroskeptic, Federalist, Nationalist, um, Socialist, whatever you have. Um, that's when you... You know, I think there's this kind of short-term. You can see why publications do it because they they can get um, subscribers who agree with their point of view and come to a publication to have a certain point of view reinforced. And there's certainly room for those kind of media companies, and, and they do very, very well. Um, I just think that there's also space, and I hope it's rewarded by the market for reporting, which is. You know, grounded in in uh, in, uh, in fact <laughs> to begin with, and with an honest attempt to get to be quote unquote objective. And I, look, I'm not naive enough to know that there's a kind of a pure a pure objectivity, not just because everyone's got their point of view, but also, you know, there's um, when you look at uh, American newspapers when they evolved a little bit differently than European newspapers, which which became you know, if you're a Guardian reader or a Daily Telegraph reader in England, you sort of know where these where where, where that reader stands. In America, the the papers evolved for for decades because they were advertiser supported, and so there was an attempt uh, to sort of show that you're getting a broad cross section of the population who comes to read you, and oftentimes you're the only newspaper in that town. Translated to the modern days, you know, it's um. Uh, a good sports channel like Eurosport is not going to pick favorites, you know. So similarly at Politico, you know, we don't pick sides. Part because I think it's 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 lazy, and it also uh, leads us to lose access to the people that we need to talk to to do our jobs. But also, we would lose half our audience, you know. And and for us, uh, the and for our, our business. Um, uh, and it's, I think it's very important that the editorial mission really complements the sort of business strategy. Uh, for our business, it is important to, to be seen that you're inside in politics, but above the kind of the, the political fighting, 
you know, that, that you have to, because then you can be seen as some kind of honest broker if you do it. And again, this doesn't mean that we don't do tough pieces. You know, obviously you can talk to a politician on now on several continents, say, ah, Politico is kind of really, really giving me a hard time. Um, uh, but it means that that we don't do them because uh, we, we we come with some, um, you know, uh, with, with with our own political agenda. And I don't. I think journalists should have agendas, which, which 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 are journalistic agendas, not not political agendas. And but it takes it's hard to defend that. It's it's not. It's a fight that. Um, it's not an easy fight to win, and I, and I and I think it's it's in a lot of places. It's actually probably being being lost. And last question: Is there a role for politics and policymakers in restoring a trust on the internet? It seems like that you set a high standard at political with all the transparency and remarks you did on that. Is there a role for politics and uh, policymakers in fixing the internet? And is there a difference between Europe and the U.S. over there? That's a really big question. Um, uh, I, I tend to say there's not a role for pol politicians to fix the media. Um, I pretty much prefer that politicians stay out of uh, our business um, uh, because it really does rely on a sort of, um, you know, ultimately it's the audiences and the readers who are going to decide whether they uh, like trust um, certain brands or or the certain journalists. And I think this is where the market can some function. I think on the internet, the internet's our world right now. And I guess like in the in the actual physical world going back years, you know, there's democratic, you know, societies decided that rules had to be made about, you know, to control certain kind of behavior, you know, starting with the prohibition against murder to now, you know, rules where your dog can go in the park or not or, or on a leash. So obviously politicians pressed by their electorates are going to be pushed to try and um, you know, define what the rules of the digital space are. And, and that's, I think that is as legitimate for them to do that as it is for them to, you know, write rules about zoning or in, in, in a city or, or any other rules, tax laws. And especially if the digital world is a real world, in other words, and, 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 um, you know, we're, because the change has been so dizzying, we're only actually at the very beginning of figuring out you know, what are the rules going to be for this world? And um, and I think there is a wave obviously coming. It's a political wave, but it's going to be a regulatory wave. And it started in Europe with uh, moves um, against Microsoft, which happened also in the US, but much earlier in Europe, which took a hard look at Google and, and Facebook and these platforms, Apple and, and its taxes. Um, but it's obviously happening here and in other democracies. You know, China has been writing its own rules uh, for, for a long time, but they don't have to go through a very complicated process there to do that. So yeah, there's obviously a role for politicians and policymakers. In some ways you can say they're probably a little late to it because te technology has moved a lot faster than, than politicians are able to. But that's, again, that's a very common story too. Technological change just goes back to the invention of the wheel is, is, is outpaces, you know, the, the ability of politicians, but ultimately in a healthy political system or even a functioning political system, the policymakers do catch up with the changing world. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your insights and being so articulate on the, the transparency part of the journalism and a pleasure to have you on as a guest. Thank you very much.
it is well known that today the public trust into media organizations is low and therefore we've surveyed a global audience to better understand what publishers can do to increase trust with their audience. We've released these findings in our fresh report called Trust in Publishing 2021. You find the report, the show notes of this episode, and many other valuable resources at thetrustedweb.org/podcast. Once again, thetrustedweb.org/podcast. Thank you for listening and therefore being part of the Trusted Web journey. And let's build the Trusted Web together.